making a kingdom impact. That is what our series is all about. And that is what we saw and celebrated this past weekend with our kids' winter retreat. I just want to go ahead and reiterate my gratitude for all that God has done. I, it never gets old. Christ transforming lives. And I thank God for all of our kids who grew in their relationship with him, those 13 professions of faith, as well as those who are baptized on this morning. Well, good morning to you. I invite you to join me in your copy of God's Word to Ephesians, particularly the sixth chapter of Ephesians, as we continue our journey as a church family in understanding the impact that God has, has inspired us to, to do to advance the kingdom of heaven for his glory. I invite you to join me in that sixth chapter of Ephesians. Our reading will begin at the 10th verse. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 10th verse. Hear the words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Allow me to reiterate by reading that 10th verse again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Brothers and sisters, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want us to continue growing as kingdom citizens as we continue to be under the rule and realm of our King, King Jesus, that God would use us as a body of Christ to make a major impact in this world to push the evil forces back and advance the kingdom all for God's glory. I'm not the only one in here. I'm grateful to see that. I, I'm going to say that one more time then. I'm praying that we're able to advance the kingdom of God for God's glory. Is that your prayer as well? And so I, I have to tell you, that in order to do that, we must realize the kingdom conflict. We must realize, Doug, the kingdom conflict conflict. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that once more you've blessed us to come into this sacred space, that we might be able to declare praises unto you, to magnify your holy name, to celebrate the lives that you have transformed, to celebrate the relationships that you have allowed to grow deeper in with you, that we can go further with you as your people. Now we pray that you'd incline our ears to hear the word of God, to hear your word, that your word might be implanted into our hearts and our minds, that we be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that we be strengthened for the battle that is ours to face, and that we would face it and declare victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tomorrow, our federal government will observe the birthday of our first elected president, George Washington. 
Now, before George Washington was elected president, he was the leader of the Continental Army during the rebellion against Great Britain's occupation of what was soon to be the United States of America. And I want to tell you, it was back in 1777 when Great Britain, the, the major powerhouse of the day, made its way to the shores of North America. There between uh, New York and all the way down the coastline of Virginia, and there they had a mass naval fleet that was there, cannons at the ready, and redcoat soldiers invading by the thousands. And there was George Washington with this fledgling uh, group of of rebel soldiers, this, this ragtag bunch of, of new uh, pioneers to the new land that wanted to declare their independence from Great Britain. There they were. They were outgunned, outnumbered, um, but also they had less weapons than what they were facing. Uh, not the cannons. In fact, there was a greater, more deadly weapon aboard the Great Britain fleet. Uh, not, not the soldiers, not the muskets, but there was, uh, there was a weapon that was invisible that proved to be deadly to the continental soldiers. Because on that ship that arrived on the coast was also an, an invisible virus. That virus was smallpox. It couldn't be seen, but the impact could be felt. And it was devastating to the Continental Army until George Washington, some clergy, and uh, some scientists got together and they, they, they made a decision to inoculate the entire army, the entire Continental Army, and they made a vaccine. And historians now, though it was a controversial action, historians credit the medical mandate with the colonial victory of the Revolutionary War, which created the United States of America. The vaccine, when received, made soldiers resistant to the invisible virus so they could successfully fight the ultimate and ultimately win the war. Get this, because soldiers had accepted internal help, they were able to withstand the external fight and experience victory. Maybe you didn't get that. Is that when they were ready to receive internal help, that they received the external power to realize their victory. Well, I'm trying to help you understand something as the text opens up and challenges us to realize something, that we too, like those who are, were in the past in a physical war, we too are engaged in a war, but this war is in the invisible realm. There is a spiritual war going on against the forces of God and the forces of evil. I don't want you to be naive to think that it's not happening. It's happening all around us. Austin, all you got to do is open our eyes and we'll see it. We don't see it happening in the invisible forces, but we do see its impact. We don't see the spiritual forces at work, but we do know when it is working in our lives. Yeah, there is an invisible war waging against us. Kimberly, all humanity is under an ongoing attack from a spiritual enemy whose mission Jesus described as to kill, steal, 
and destroy. This, this enemy's goal is to destroy hopes. Young people, hear me well. It's to destroy dreams. It's to destroy purposes. It's to, destroy, it's to spiritually destroy people and allow destruction and defeat to define their lives. There is a spiritual enemy that as soon as you fell in love with God, he fell out of love with you. And when you gave Christ your all, in Christ you inherited not only all the love of God, but all the hate of the devil. I want to tell you something. Spiritual warfare is really happening. But only in the kingdom of God is victory realized. There is a battle. There is a battle we fight in. In fact, you heard it, it written uh, where he says that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers and authorities, against spiritual wickedness. Evil forces that are trying to come against the Lord's plan, his will, and his work through his church. Uh, Satan's schemes come in, in three forms. They come in the form of the flesh. They come in the form of the world and its cultures. And they come in the form of direct demonic attack. They come in the flesh. Because all of us, as David said, were born in sin. And so we're infected with a disposition to sin. You don't believe me? I know some of you, you've been saved since you were six days old. But if you look at some young people every now and then, uh, do you have any young children, any parents of young children in here? Uh, let me go and look at the young children. I see you, baby. Uh, uh, they, they think their children are perfect. But my children are PK kids. Now, everything they learned wrong, they learned from the deacon's kids. But and nevertheless... <laughs> I remember that there are times, I ain't going to say which child, but there are times I had one of them uh, would look at me and you tell them, don't you do that. And they would look at me as though I didn't see them doing it and try to do it anyway. I said, that's the, that's the devil that's in you. <laughs> oh, not just children, honestly, if we're honest about it, that all of us have a disp predisposition to sin. Anytime we want to go contrary to the will of God, that's the flesh that is trying to pull us. And Satan uses the flesh as a weapon against us. But not only does he use the flesh as a weapon against us, he strives to use the culture and the world to drive us away from the things of God because the world system seeks to get people to believe that they don't need God, that they can get along very well without God. See, the flesh attempts, attempts us to think that we can find satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment on the physical and material level only for us to realize that there's no satisfaction to be found there but only hurt. Oh, and then Satan is not, if he's not successful in trying to attack you through your flesh and not successful in trying to attack you through uh, the world, then he will try to give you a direct assault. 
That, that's what the text calls and in the evil days. The evil days are not just days that are going to come. Some of us experience it right now where our evil days has come now. If you're honest about it, you've been in an evil day before. Let me describe it to you. It's like when one thing happens and then another thing happens and when you turn around another thing happens and you didn't expect something else to happen and then that happened and you said, God, I can't afford another thing to go wrong and as soon as you said it, it happened. That's one of those direct attacks. You're looking at me like you don't understand this thing. Well, maybe you need to read Job's biography because Job would tell you that in one day I lost everything. In one day I lost all my material. In one day, uh, Fred, he said, I was, I was, my job was laid off. My materials were taken away. Uh, my children uh, were, were harmed and, and died in one day. And then I became ill all in the same day. Oh, but when you read Job, something didn't change. And that was his faith in God. Amen. For he said, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Ah, there is a battle we fight in, and the Spirit of God leads us to our resource of strength to be victorious in the fight, and it's not by our own strength, because truthfully, we're not strong enough to go toe-to-toe with the devil. We're not strong enough. Listen, the devil's been in deception a long time. You ought to check it out. Before the Garden of Eden, he was deceiving angels in heaven, and God then kicked them out of heaven. They are down here on earth as the devil and a demonic force, and all they want to do is get us from doing what God has called us to do. Yeah, there's, there's a battle a battle that we can't fight on our own. That's why the Spirit of God wrote that. That's why it's there uh, through the pen of the Apostle Paul. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, because when our might can't make it, God's might can always get it done. I'm trying to talk to somebody here who knows about the power of God. Uh, Ephesians 1.19 writes it this way for the believer What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might? That God's power is immeasurable. God's power is is, is indescribable. God's power is inexhaustible. And when you pray to be in the Lord, you have access to the Lord's power. this, This is the power that's able to protect us. When the enemy tries to destroy us, you ought to pray. You ought to pray to be in the Lord. That's what he says. He says to be in the Lord because, listen, the fight is going to come. If you haven't had a fight, spiritual fight yet, it is going to come. Uh, you might hear me say fight, and some of you turned off. Listen, let me check, check out for a moment, uh, check you off for a moment. Um, um, you know, I, um, I love all competitive sports. Any, any, any sports fans in here? I, I, I do. I, I love all competitive sports. All competitive sports. Um, I see some Kansas City fans in here. I'm not going to talk to you right now. But anyway, uh, outside of that, um, all, all competitive sports. But, but, but truly, Anthony, my, uh, my, my favorite competitive sport is the kind that goes between the ring or the octagon. That, that's my favorite competitive sport. Okay, some of you looking at me like that and say, Pastor, really? Yeah, really. I I enjoy, thank you, bro. I appreciate that, Tariq. Um, I, I, I really enjoy watching heavyweight boxing. In fact, there's a fight that I've been looking forward to. It's coming on March 8th. So mark your calendars, March 8th. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't email. 
Did I say that out loud? Uh, I was just thinking that. Well, I was thinking it. Um, no, I, I love it. But one thing I know about heavyweight bouts is that they announce them well in advance before the championship contest takes place. Now, I know some of you are savvy, so you know they, they, they market it. They, they, they announce it so they can market it and promote it. But that's not the real reason why it's announced far ahead of time. It's announced far ahead of time so the boxers can prepare for the bout that they're going to face. I'm, I hope you get this. Because when he says be strong in the Lord by putting on the whole arm of God, what is really being said is that we ought to prepare. We ought to get prepared before we get to the battle so that when we get to the battle, we're prepared for the battle. He says put on the, the whole, whole armor of God. It's, it's God's armor. To withstand in the evil, though, you have to put on the whole armor. Look what he says. It is not our armor. It is God's armor. When David was going to face Goliath, um, he tried to put on somebody else's armor, and it didn't fit. And he said, listen, I haven't proved this, these, this armor. He told that to Saul. Uh, he turned around and said, but, but in the name of the Lord, that's, that's the armor that you want to put on in order for you to successfully face the temptations that are out there. You want to put on all of Christ. I'm in the text, y'all, because really the Lord's armor is the armor that Yahweh was known to wear, if you would. In Isaiah, when Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 59 and 15, look at what the text says. The prophet says that God says in opposing evil, he says, truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. Listen to the words. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on a garment of vengeance for clothing and God wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This is the armor of the Lord. Now, follow me in verse 13 and look at the words that the Holy Spirit writes to the church on the day. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Having and, and as the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Somebody say all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, which you are able, you can use to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Look what he says. To withstand the evil day. You got to be dressed for warfare. This is a metaphor that he uses. He uses to help encourage us to understand, get this, our position in Christ. This is why it's important that you pray for a relationship with Christ. Because only in a relationship with Christ will you be resourced in Christ to be able to be victorious over Anything the devil brings your way. Anybody here want to be victorious? 
Anybody here tired of falling to the same schemes over and over again? Anybody here besides me get tired of the devil always winning these skirmishes? God says, listen, you can be victorious when you fight from a place of victory, and the victory is already in Jesus. Somebody grew up old school, you know that song you sing, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. I told Satan to get thee. I got some old school here. Victory today is why? Because when you are in Jesus, I hope you get this, you have victory. Victory over sin, victory over the enemy, victory over all his tactics. You have the victory, but don't miss it. You have to be in Christ. Because this metaphor that Paul uses as he's chained to a Roman guard, he's looking at this Roman guard and he's looking at at the the, the helmet and the breastplate and the belt and the shoes. He's looking at the sword and the shield. He's seeing it and perhaps it took him to the prophecy of Isaiah that reminded him that you know what? Greater than what man can make is who God is. That God is greater than all and in all. And so he says to us, listen, you need to be in Christ. You know you need to be in Christ when the crises of life have you crumbling beneath. It's an indication that you need to be deeper in Christ. Uh, Look what he says. Uh, Check this out. Because uh, the picture of the armor of God, I I see it there. Um, Many of you, uh, you might be thinking, okay, let me get this right now. There's the the belt of truth. There's there's the breastplate of righteousness. There's the shoes. Uh, How how do I figure this thing out? When you really see the picture, all of it is a picture of Jesus Christ. Let me teach you Bible. Look what he says first. Take on the belt of truth. Don't you remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, take on the breastplate of righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1.30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Christ is our breastplate of righteousness. Hold on, the shoes of peace. Early on in Ephesians, the second chapter, the 14th verse, Paul writes, for Jesus himself is our peace. I'm trying to get to help you understand what you get when you get in Jesus. Uh, he is our peace. Jesus told his disciples, this peace I give you, not as the world, but this peace I give you shall never leave you. Jesus is our peace. Look what he says later on. Take on the shield of the Spirit. Now, some of you know the shield of faith. Hebrews 12 and 2, look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for joy, therefore, set before him, endured the cross. Check it out now. He took the battle. He took on the battle. He endured the the cross. He died for our sins, despised the shame, and now he's seated on the right hand of the throne of God. He gave us the shield of faith. But hold on. He says, take on the helmet of salvation, which means you must be Oh, come on in here. You, you, you must be saved. you got to be in a relationship with him because that's the only way to be in his kingdom. And check out what Moses sung. When Moses realized it was God's hand that led the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity, that delivered them out of the hardship that they were living in, check out what Moses sung in Exodus 15 and 2. He said, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. 
Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This metaphor is a metaphor to direct our attention to Christ Jesus. And finally he says, check it now, he says, take up the, some of you know, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Come on here, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became you know, the word became flesh. So when you see the armor of God, what you're really seeing is a picture of Christ. And don't get this thing twisted. Well, the text is saying what you need to do to survive the battle to withstand when the enemy comes is not be in your own fighting stance. That is coming out of me right now. Uh, but you need to step into Jesus and say, you know what? I tried it my way and I'm bruised, busted, broken, and disgusted. So now I'm going to step into how Jesus does it. Because last I checked, he said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the, I've overcome the world. Listen, listen, listen. There is a battle. We must fight. Oh, but there's a powerful armor he's given us to put on. And you pray to be in relationship with Christ. As you pray, prayer leads you to be girded up in Christ, which means you realize what you get being positioned in a relationship with Jesus. You know what you get? You get the provisions that come with Christ. I'm trying to help you understand something. Because challenges will come for all of us. Ask Daniel. Daniel will tell you all he was doing was trying to serve the Lord well and serve those that God had him employed to. And he found his faith getting him uh, messed up into a, a lion, lion's den. But guess what? When he went to the lion's den, guess who was in the den with him? I'm trying to help you understand something. Jesus was right there. I asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They'll tell you that they were following God, and following God got them in a battle against evil forces that led them into a fiery furnace. But there they were in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar said, wait a minute, didn't we throw three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I like King James. Below I see four, and the fourth one looks like the... Son of God. I'm trying to help you understand something, that when you are in Christ, you're never alone and you pray because he opens the door for you to see that you already have the victory. You already have the victory in him. And I get it. You're saying, I don't remember all that armor. Well, come here. Come to Romans 13 and 14. Look what he says. If you don't remember how to put on the armor, he says, do it this way, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it right there. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, take up the whole armor. Not, not a piece of it. Not, not just the Sunday armor. But the life group armor. No, no, he says, take on the whole armor of God. What's interesting is he never says to take it off. He says to put it on so that you can be comfortable with it. Okay, listen, y'all. Um, before preaching, um, before, before preaching, um, my profession was in law enforcement. And, 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 and I, I loved, let me say it this way here. 
it just fit me. You know, in law enforcement, you know, you can tell people what to do. In church, you got to ask them, can you please, do you mind? <laughs> Prior to going to law enforcement, you had to go through academy, Scott. I was going through academy. And I want to forget this. Um, going through academy, and I, I learned in our appreciation, appreciation for, for Garrett Morgan. Garrett Morgan uh, was the inventor of the gas mask. Garrett Morgan was the inventor of the gas mask. He invented the gas mask in 1914. Well, when I was going through the academy, um, I uh, found a profound appreciation for Garrett's invention. Because uh, going through academy, it's important that you go through uh, riot scenarios. And so with riot scenarios, you have riot gear. And part of riot gear was a gas mask. Because that gas mask was necessary because you were about to go through the tear gas chamber. And I learned this through experience. I didn't have to read about it. I didn't have to research it. I learned this through experience. That if you don't have all the equipment in the right place, you're not with me in here. Uh, the gas will find the cracks in your armor and get to you. Listen, I was snotting under the mask. I was, you, you, you know, why? Because I, I didn't have it all together. Come here, saint of God. Many times we come, we hear the word of God, we worship with the people of God, but then we leave some stuff here in the sanctuary that we should be taking with us so that we can be fully clothed in the armor of God so that we can be successful when we face the enemy. He says, stand, 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 because when we stand, uh, we know that Christ is standing with us. Watchman Nee, one of my, my favorite authors, he said this way, what then should you do when he attacks? He said, you should simply look up and praise the Lord. Lord, I'm faced with a situation that I cannot possibly meet. Thine enemy, the devil, has brought it about to compass my downfall. But I praise thee that thy victory is an all-inclusive victory. It covers this situation too. I praise thee that I have already full victory in this matter in thee. Okay, uh, you didn't catch Watchman Nee's King James language. Let me help you understand what he said. He said, listen, before this battle came, I was already victorious because I was standing in the victory of Jesus. He said, before that challenge came, I was already victorious because I was standing in the victory of Jesus. That victory comes through our practice of prayer. Church, hear me. To put on properly the armor that God has for you, you got to get in prayer. You got to get before God. You got to communicate with him and know him personally. Pray and keep praying. Pray and don't stop praying. I'm still in the text because the way to spiritually prepare is through prayer. Look at 18 through 20. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Turn to somebody and say, that says you ought to be praying for me. And if they didn't say nothing to you, you need to be praying for them. Right. He says, pray for all the saints. Hold on. But he didn't stop there. He said, don't just pray for the saints, but check out the pastor. He says, and pray for me too. I ain't getting no help on that. Uh, I'm deacons, I'm, I'm at the re we're going to have a meeting right after this because at least the deacons should have said amen right there. Uh, like you, you ought to pray for the pastor. I'm going to give the deacons one more time because God is a forgiving God, so I'm going to practice forgiveness. Uh, um, uh, uh, you ought to pray for the pastor too. 
All right, I got one deacon standing, another one grunting. All right, we're going to get somewhere here. Because in order to stand firm against the devil's schemes, you stand firm against the devil's schemes by fervently, frequently, faithfully praying to God. See, there's always a time to pray. Always a time to pray. Always a reason to pray. <laughs> and there's always benefits to prayer. There's a song when I was growing up in church, Anthony, uh, you might know it. It said, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry. Not some things, not a few things, but everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And there's some stuff you came in here with that has knocked you down. You're trying to stand firm, but you wasn't standing firm in prayer. This is saints of God. God is calling us to pray for ourselves. You know, it says mom may have and papa may have, but God bless a child that has his own relationship. Pray for yourself. But don't pray for yourself only. And pray for all the saints. People you sit by every, every Sunday. Sometimes there's some unspoken needs sitting right next to you on your row that God's assigned you to. He's saying, you ought to, we're supposed to, we're supposed to pray for each other that we might be able to stand. And in a moment, let me tell you what's going to happen. In a moment, I'm going to extend an invitation. And many of us have gotten into the habit of, of leaving out during the invitation. When what we ought to be doing is staying in and praying for. Amen. Man, I'm trying to help y'all understand something here. See, the church is a hospital where the broken and the hurting are, are told to come so that the saints, when we get together, we can pray for one another. Because prayer is required to properly assemble the armor. We need prayer to wear the armor, to work the armor, and to witness about the armor of God. James says it this way in James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. I like how we King James put this part because it's effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avail it much. So the invitation I want to extend to you is that you stand in the Lord. I'm asking you right now, really in all seriousness, that you would stand with me in praying that God would call hearts to himself. That God would rescue Someone in this place who finds himself 
under the bombarded assaultment, assault of strongholds and sin, and that today God will set them free. So you got to stand in the Lord. Standing in the Lord is seeking to know Christ personally. That's the invitation. The invitation is to seek to know him personally. To S-T-A-N-D, seek, S, seek to know him personally. T, trust the provisions in Christ entirely. That means take your hands off the reins. Say, God, I trust you. I'm giving it all to you. I'm trusting you to strengthen me to do what you are calling me to do. A, anticipate attacks from the enemy because they will come. But when you're in Jesus, you don't have to fear them. You prayerfully prepare for them so that you have the victory when they come. Never stop praying for God's will in. Never stop praying for God's will. And D, determined to pray for all people always. Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge. God is our refuge. A very present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in times of trouble. You know who I'm speaking to. You came in and you were wondering how you were going to handle that, that trouble you find, yourself, you find yourself in. I'm praying, we're praying for you that today you say yes and receive Christ as your refuge, your strength, that you will be able to be victorious in the battles you face. Please bow your heads all over the building because in a moment I'm going to invite you to come down these aisles and say yes. To all that Christ provides for kingdom citizens. Father, you know how we came in. You, you intended for us to be here. You, you knew the word that you would speak to our hearts. And God, help us to see in prayer the provisions that you have for those who place their trust in you. That you are the great deliverer the great protector, the lifter up of our heads. And God, I'm so grateful because there's nothing that you can deliver your, your children from or get them through when they place their trust in you. And right now in a moment, a new daughter, a new son is placing their trust in you. And we want to celebrate what you're doing in their lives. So right now, touch their hearts that they will say yes to you that you would be their king. They'll become kingdom citizens and win and be victorious in this kingdom conflict. All for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're making a decision today, you want Christ to be your king, you're ready to live a life of overcomer, listen, leave the aisles, come down these aisles, leave your roles, come down these aisles, say yes to Jesus Christ, and let us celebrate what God is doing in your life. While we sing, why don't you come? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. 
At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.